podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome to this week's Five Year Plan podcast. Hey! What was yeah, what? What's wrong? Well, nothing, nothing. I'm just really tired. Yeah, yeah it was a long night. In the <laughs> thought you boys would be a bit more enthusiastic. No, just, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Rob tried. Yeah, Fine. Rob, yeah. Oh. Hey! 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 Venga, we want you to stay. Uh, pod 210 sponsored by Vector Printing for all your printing embroidery needs go to vector.co.uk and it's Vector with her okay. Okay. Uh, and JCI is the global research and brand consultancy from South London visit jc-is.com I will <laughs> good that, that was my impression of Endicott yeah, he's in Hungary it was different he is yes, in Hungary yes I saw his photograph he's with grey jogging bottoms isn't he there's yeah. a really really yeah. obvious joke to make there but I'm not going to what is it because he's always hungry. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Carry on. Oh, well, dear. Perhaps he'll go to shame. Turkey next, then. So, anyway, Palace. <laughs> uh, big result. Huge result this week. Probably not the one we expected. But what were your thoughts on the Southampton defeat, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, to be fair, we, well, if you want the honest answer, we predicted, I think, on last week's pod that we would struggle because of the effort we put into the Chelsea game. Yeah. And it was old timey Palace. They scored two goals in the last. I was amazed, stroke astonished at the response of some Palace fans afterwards, who suddenly forgot, forgetting that we'd beaten Chelsea and won the four games before that. Suddenly, yeah. Yeah, so there's even in the portions last night. There, was, there are still some Padu fans, like those Japanese soldiers at the end of World War Two, who refused to accept it was over <laughs> and kept fighting. It's like, it is, it's over, boys, basically. But yes, the Southampton results. No, you can understand it with the Japanese soldiers. They hadn't had any communication with no, the human race for some time. Yes, that's true. They were just very disbelieving. There wasn't yeah. a wealth of information and yeah, evidence in front of them. Yeah. Pardew fans have no excuse. Yeah. Are there any? They can't. Are there any? Oh, no, there's oh, yeah, there, there are. There's yeah. a couple. There are a few, last, yeah. couple last night. Even saying, after, no, even one one bloke last night in the pub going, oh, "That's the worst Arsenal team in history." It's like, no, it's not, mate. Right. It's, it's not a vintage Arsenal yeah. team, but it's not a it's bad not, team. No, but it? look at the players they got. It's not. Yeah, yeah. But, and we took advantage of a, of a team lacking low in confidence. Although they the did beat that, West Ham three 0 The thing I thought that was interesting, taking the Southampton game uh, into context with Arsenal, is that Southampton clearly did their homework on Palace in terms of the the wing. Like they, mm. they spent their entire time trying to play it down the wing. With Arsenal, whenever they got the ball, they just cut inside, which is exactly what we wanted them to do. And throughout the whole game, they kept doing that. Sanchez would constantly cut inside. And every time he did, he had four, five, six players in front of him trying to basically block him off. Well, funny. It's just interesting. Like, it's just one of those things. Like, it does make you wonder whether... Like, the, the argument about Arsenal is that they're not as good a side. You know, that, that you, could, you could see right from the start that they weren't the kind of confident, passing, crisp... Quick side that they were the last time they played at Selhurst Park, you know that they, they, they and, and arguably that that element of their organisation was gone. But in order to exploit that, you had to have Palace playing at the top of their game, and they did. Yeah, in terms of, well, if you yeah. think back to the Arsenal away game over the Christmas holidays and how abject yeah. we were and what improvement for, <laughs> for me is arguably it's probably the best Premier League performance in terms of it started from the kick off and it didn't stop till the game ended. We were just a better team. All round, and I think there are a couple of players that won't get mentioned during the podcast who I think deserve to get mentioned. Because I thought Ward and Kelly in particular were. I thought Schlupp was really good. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Hennessy was uh, consistent, operating at a consistently high level as always, which is a source of great amusement in the pub afterwards for Streety. But I thought Ke- I thought Ward was brilliant, but I thought yeah. Kelly was outstanding. Yeah, I thought he was really, really good. He was good, and, that, and again, it comes back to why. Yeah, I know we've talked in the past about he's, he's probably a centre back rather than a full back, but. Mm-hmm. 
he's a player that had to be taken out of the firing line under Pardew because the fans were getting home so much because he was poor week in week out and yeah a bit of confidence an injection of confidence but is it is it just confidence is it having Sacco next to him is it better training is it better coaching what, better fitness, what, 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 better better fitness? fitness? Yeah. yeah Hennessy apparently has lost a stone in weight and yeah. so he's much more mobile and so something else he dropped yeah it was just a joy to watch last night and if, you know we took advantage of a, you know, I say, lack of, this is not the sort of thing we do in the past we, we, beat, we beat them tactically we beat them to every ball Townsend yeah. was just we were, the, we were the better team. We were, we were just the better team. It, now, nobody, yeah, everybody, it was a, everybody had at least a seven or an eight, basically. It yeah, was exactly. really good to see. I, th- I think the thing that was interesting, again, like talking about preparation, in Allardyce's case, he went into it and you could see the tactic was quite clear because what you ended up that, with is we played quite, an, quite a direct style, but, but we actually played to Benteke's strengths, which, which meant that it was, it was playing balls up to him that were either at a, in a position where he could get control of it or where he could knock it on. And whenever he did, you either had uh, Wilf or Townsend kind of cutting inside and actually in the centre ground. So much so that when we scored the, I think it was the the second with um, uh, Kabai's one, it, you ended up with Wilf and Townsend about 10 feet mm. apart. And that's just because there's there's a clear tactic that these two two quick players are uh, essentially a bit more mobile around Alada, uh, sorry, around Benteke. And that, that made a big difference because... Uh, Mustafi just had no he had no answer to Benteke whatsoever well Allardyce talked before the game he said that Arsenal will leave their centre-backs exposed and we're going to try and exploit that but quite a few of the newspaper reports said that West Ham tried to do a similar thing and played Carroll's and out and out sort of front man and tried to load the ball up to him but just didn't do it as well as we did basically and couldn't get players around him as, as well Carroll's just as simply not as mobile as Benteke no, but I mean was, we, we criticised Benteke at times this season for not being mobile enough, but I thought last night, you know, he, he really sort of patrolled and sort of menaced around that final third like a completely different player to what we saw earlier in the season. There'd be opportunities where he'd sort of bring it down, and actually, really drive with the ball yeah. forward, which we've been wanting to see from him for quite some time now, and it was just really apparent in the first 20 minutes how much Arsenal couldn't deal with it. Yeah. Arsenal have, like, we, we've got to make no bones about it. I mean, Arsenal have effectively become a parody football team. They've become, like, almost a pastiche of, like, everything that people always criticise Wenger teams for and you've only got to look at Meza Ozil to see that, you know, small tick, a creative tick, but gets physically bullied, goes missing, tick, mm. tick. You know, they, they are kind of now that team, but even in spite of that, it was still one of the best performances I think I've ever seen but- from a Palace team. But they're, they're not things... You know, normally when Palace come up against a team that's suffering from lack of confidence, we wouldn't do what we did last night. Just like, you know, Urza was bullied out of it. But in times gone by, they've had players like that that we haven't been able to physically dominate. You know, they, their centre-backs weren't the best, but in the times gone by, we wouldn't have been able to dominate them like Ben Teke did last night because we've now got the personnel to carry out any any plan. And somebody pointed out as well that Mustafi was on Sky over the weekend saying that he didn't really like physical challenges he was the sort of centre back who likes the ball on the edge of the on the halfway line it's like yeah, Palace would have seen that hmm. Sam, Sam would have seen that and said okay well this is exactly what you're going to get and they just weren't up for it they just weren't physically same, same yeah. with our midfield yeah. Kabai yeah. Milivojevic and yeah. uh, Punchin were brilliant in terms of just putting the, their, their midfielders um, yeah. under a lot of pressure El Nenny was looked awful and, and Jacko as well both of them just looked like they weren't prepared to deal with the kind of pressure we were putting them under. And the the Arsenal of old, arguably, would have probably been a little bit better in terms of oh, dealing so. with that. But they just obviously weren't... They lacked confidence. There's obviously a confidence, confidence issue. But it's like an Arsenal mate of mine said afterwards, Jacker didn't even care enough to get booked. Yeah. At least, you know, because he's one of those players who's, who gets the fans on his side by doing some sort of needless lunge inside. Yeah. I didn't realise Walcott was playing until halfway through the first half, but... Walcott's comments afterwards were astonishing. To say out loud that they were up for it from the kickoff, and we could see that, and they were more up for it than we are. It's like, what are you doing? Was that was, is that some sort of pointed remark at uh, Wenger? I, possibly, or the other players. I don't know what, but you can see the fact that only four of their players went over to the fans, and they got roundly booed for it afterwards. It's not. It's clearly there's the same. We, they've got the same sort of disconnect between the fans and the, the players that we had. Yeah. Probably at the end of the party reign, which we've got back in. You know, 100% now yeah. so the atmosphere last night was amazing to see an Allardyce at the end singing along to Glad All Over mm. and then 
basically half his press conference was about, well, it's a great song, I really <laughs> love that song. We came up with the idea of singing that song. It's a really good song to sing at the end of the game, but Arsenal fans have lost whatever. I don't think Arsenal fans ever had the same connect with the club that we did anyway, but whatever connection they had, this, it's... I think the Arsenal problems have been going on for a long time, and this is just a, the latest culmination of that. Um, but going back to the midfield, do you think that was Kabai's best game for Palace, Andy? I think quite easily. <laughs> You know, he's, he's not scored since 2015, September, I think it must have been. Mm. Around September? December, I think. No. September, 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 Southampton, Southampton, December. Yeah, December. Yeah. I stand corrected. So he's not, he's not, he didn't score at all in, in 2016. And, and, in the league. And had looked, this is also true because he scored at Reading. Yeah. I'm glad I've had two corrections within the space of a minute. Thanks for asking me the question. Um, he, Objection he, sustained. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, that's, that's, I know when to admit, admit defeat to a point. Um, he's to a point. Uh, he's he's looked ineffectual at sort of vast periods for in, in this season and at the sort of uh, end of Pardew's reign. And yet now that he's been free to play in that slightly more advanced role, not as a number ten and not as a creative midfielder, but just as a destroyer further up the pitch. Mm-hmm. You see what you actually get from him. You know, you're not trying to ask someone who is ill-suited to the physical demands of being a really deep-lying midfielder in the mould of Emilovojevic to try and play that role. You're saying, you know, you're, you've got energy, you've got technical ability on the ball. Go forward, actually, do something up there, really disrupt them, press from the front. Mm. And he's looked like a player transformed since Luca mm. came in. Yeah. It's kind of freed him up to, to do that and to add in a finish which is absolutely brilliant. Mm. Yeah. Completely sublime. Uh, it, it's it's been I suppose a long time coming for some fans, but I never thought that it was a matter of either a his application or b his ability, as some people tried to assert. It was just the fact that it was the wrong player in the wrong system. Well, yeah. now you've got him in the right system. You start to see how good he is. Isn't it odd? Though? I mean, you can see from the reaction to his goal and, and to the fans, you can see it clearly means a lot to him. So all these people are talking about him sitting out his contract and uh, talking nonsense, but. Yeah. What I find odd about it is the whole thing is that when we got him, we were really excited about him, but Pardew said, oh no, he's going to be sitting, he wants to play deep, he doesn't mm. want to play that forward role, he hasn't got the legs anymore, he wants to be like a really deep quarterback. And yet we're seeing the best of him playing 20 yards further ahead of where yeah. we were told he wants to play. So either <coughs> someone's had a word with him and said, do you want to do this, or it wasn't true in the first place, but he just looks a top quality international player where he is I now. Think, so. I think... It, there, there is also an element of you're na- we're now looking at him with Milivojevic next mm. to him, who is ultimately a Champions League level player. Um, yeah. Compared to Jednak, who, for all that Jednak gave to Palace, he wasn't. He doesn't have the quality of Milivojevic. Mm. Doesn't have the wherewithal. Doesn't have the kind of the on pitch awareness. The awareness of where his, where his teammates are. The simplicity that comes with that kind oh, of football. Oh, you're going to get tweets. I don't think that's unfair. By having a player like that yeah. next to him, what, you're, what you've then got is someone who's able to, who is able to read the game and also be physical. And mm. I think under, I think that in fairness to Kabai, for a lot of last season, and I think people were still kind of critical of him about, uh, despite this, he did, he did seem to play with what, what looked like a chronic injury for pretty much the second half of the whole season. And, and the, the other thing that's really key is that, that um, I think yesterday was under Allardyce, the first time, apart from the Southampton game where he went off actually injured, the first time he's been subbed as early as the 72nd minute. I think in the last, since Allardyce has come in, he's been playing 80-odd minutes each, each game. And that shows how much fitter he's become. Like that's, you're talking about a significant, almost 10% increase in terms of the amount of fitness, the ability to carry on throughout a match. And that that is you know that yesterday's performance was was him just tirelessly running and being a really really good midfielder for. Him. I don't think the thing is it being a Mile versus Mijovic issue because I think Palace stabilised a little bit towards the end of last season when Pardew realised he had to bring back that influence and obviously Mijovic is you know head and shoulders above Mile in terms of just general ability. Full yeah. stop. The problem with the midfield before was just that it was utterly porous because we got yeah. the mix wrong. Yeah. He was trying to yeah. go yeah. with yeah. 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 Kibai and MacArthur and Punch and none of them ever offered a shield to the sort of yeah. centre-backs. None of them would ever drop deep. You'd never have any of them showing any form of real positional discipline and now you've got someone who just every time just drops back between Sacco and whoever's playing with Sacco and sits 
just sits and and when he when the opposition have the ball finally he'll he'll obviously uh, sort of adopt a position slightly in front of those two and really patrol that area in front of the back four and show how disciplined he is and how good he is at reading the game the anticipation all that sort of stuff but he just knows his role whereas all of those three when he was trying to play before none of them were a defensive midfielder mm. And Pardew clearly had it in his mind that the game has progressed beyond defence midfielders, which was just a lunacy. It's, it's, a, it's as we've said this before, it's a specialist role. It's not just a deep line midfield. It's not just the last midfield player. It's a specialist role. There was one brilliant moment last night, about halfway through the first half. It was like the first time that Arsenal had made a significant break on us as Ward got forward. But Milivojevic, at the same time, was slotting into where Ward was. Yeah. As he was running backwards, was pointing to Punchin to go to, go to where he would have been. And the, the Arsenal move broke down. It's just like really intelligent. You think, oh, it's, it's, and also the fact that Benteke went towards the ball for the penalty, and they obviously just he just went, ah, ah. no. <laughs> so yeah. to the relief of everybody, <laughs> and that was a brilliant penalty as well. But he just, he is. There was a brilliant piece about him in uh, Guardian, yeah. I think, yesterday, which mm-hmm. it basically says, season off the next year, we're in a top four team in this country. Just how yeah Palace yeah but well hopefully but it just made the very good point that quite a few clubs were in for him but Palace were the only team that didn't haggle just went we'll, we'll offer the asking price yeah. offered him a bonus apparently of a million euros to keep us up and he looks like he's worth every penny he's a proper yeah I guess it goes as well to prove how important recruitment is and as I said it after the game that the reason we're doing so well is because we got our January recruitment so spot on can it really simply be that just you get it's the same sort of system, but you get the right players in, it's, and that and that's it. I've it frees up the rest of the team as well. Spine, though, I've been you, asked, bear in mind, like you're talking about Sacco right in the middle. Yeah. You've got Milivojevic right down the middle as well. That's something that we lacked. We lacked a spine. We lacked the kind of thing that you ultimately build an entire team but, structure on what goes on in the middle. We've talked about this before. People ask what Allardyce's secret is, and it's, it, you can talk about motivation. You talk about fitness. He bought four better players than we had. Mm. If you get half decent players and you yeah. play them in sensible positions and you get them fit and they don't hate you, you're probably going to be an all right team. <laughs> also, you only have to look at the effect they've had on other players. It's like, you know, Hennessy was competent last night. We did his job. <laughs> he did his job. He, he did, did his, his job. job. Yeah. He made a very good save in the first half. Yeah, zero shot second half. Hennessy looked like a decent keeper last night, but also you can see the confidence that Sacco had in him. There's a couple of times when Sacco <coughs> chested the ball back to him like from six yards out yeah. and then every time Hennessy does something right which is you know a lot Sacco's talking to him so you can see the centre-backs have got more confidence in Hennessy than they ever had in before yeah. Christmas than, than Dan and uh, uh, Tomkins ever had in him yeah. and he seems to have confidence in them he's, Ward's a better player Punchin's been freed up to do stuff mm-hmm. Wilf's a better player because he's got people around Benteke's started to respond to having better players yeah. and even even Schlupp's a great result you know, Schlupp's not the first choice left back mm. but he was really good last night just, really, do a job just do a job and yeah. went forward well and yeah. you can see they're clearly enjoying playing football and the response to each of the goals was brilliant and the response at the end was brilliant and Sacco back healing it along the touchline with five minutes to go was one of my favourite moments. It's cast just, your mind yeah. back to the, the that game, I can't remember who the opponent was, where Townsend decided without instruction to switch wings yeah. and then got substituted at yeah. half-time. And then think about what the way that he played yesterday and that, that you know, we, we said, I think, that there was that almost headless chicken moment, I think, that Andy yeah. mentioned <laughs> to me. And, and where he ran, he, yeah. he basically tried to clear the ball out, chased it, Realised an Arsenal player got there first, then chased that player, chased the ball across the pitch. And it was just something that, like, it's not just about phys- the, the physical. It's about also the mentality, that kind of, you know, when, after, when the game finished, they all were celebrating with each other. Mm. Townsend went and hugged Zaha. Like, Zaha and yeah. Townsend seem to have really built up a, a bit of a relationship there in terms of camaraderie which I think was lacking at the start of the season mm. it almost was like they were being a bit too competitive well, headless, they both wanted to play on the right wing so they couldn't yeah. play together that headless chicken moment was really interesting because if he'd done that before Christmas the fans would have done their nut just like what are you doing <coughs> yeah. and last night it was oh he's brilliant he's mucked it up but he's going to change it he's mucked it up again no he's still running like, so watch, watch, also watch, his crossing watch. His, 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 Townsend was brilliant last night yeah. but his, his cross to Benteke at the end and one of Benteke hit it on the volley the keeper just got a, a touch to it that was a Brilliant cross. So he's clearly looking for Benteke. Benteke's movement always, a bit like, the, that's why Townsend scored against West Brom. Benteke's movement away from the far centre-back, sort of moving backwards and then in. And Townsend finds him every time. It's brilliant. He started becoming a mature, disciplined mm. team player, which it was, it was funny you mentioned the uh, 
Kabai instance of him coming to Palace with a set idea of where and how he was going to play. And clearly Townsend had similar mm. sort of ideas as to how and where he should be playing in that team. And much in the same way that Kabai has now you know, shown a desire and a willingness to play elsewhere in the team and to do so proficiently to our obvious benefit Townsend's done much the same and you, you now I, I, I wrote him off earlier in the season I'm sure we'll that I wasn't alone yeah. in the well, we, I, mean, we yeah, I didn't think he was going to go in January and yet now he, he you know he sticks in a disciplined manner to the positions that he's supposed to stick to defensively he isn't just cutting inside and shooting at every opportunity because yeah. he's now not throwing a, a tantrum about being on the right at all yeah. times so that he can cut in and uh, put in shots at all points. He's now not just thinking of himself. He's actually trying to deliver the ball into dangerous areas and doing so pretty well at times and just looks like a completely different player. And if you want to use a very, very obvious football cliche, it has been like a new signing since January. It has. But, but also, interestingly, that he just, every interview he does, he mentions Allardyce. And Sammy Lee talks as well. about talks about Sammy Lee yeah. Allardyce. He talks about you know witnessing it Allardyce effect at Sunderland when he was at Newcastle, thanking Allardyce. So it's clearly Allardyce has had some effect on him. And from what I can hear, it was quite it was quite firm, should we say, for want of a better word. Speaking of Allardyce, yeah. last night was the first time I've heard it. It may have happened before. Yeah. Was Allardyce's Red and Blue so, Army? So, 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 so. Was that sung? Yeah, yeah, last night. Yeah. Definitely sung. Yeah. I hadn't heard it before this yeah. season. Is 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 it about time now that, or have the fans accepted Allardyce? Oh yeah, most. Of them, I mean, like I say, there are still a few die-hard Pardew fans who won't accept anything that Allardyce does, and it's still. I get really cross when people go, "Oh, he's just a totally purist." He's not. He's totally different than purist. He's far more flexible than purist. We play far more attacking football. It's not. You know, we we sit there and let Arsenal have possession, and but every time we go hold the ball, we're going forward. Hmm. We're not just sitting back, sitting deep. We're not just defending one goal leads. We're trying to score more goals. And we play the Palace way now. Yeah. We play yeah, the Palace way. Yeah. It's defensively solid, yeah. strong through the midfield, and then great wing play. And he's clearly enjoying himself. So you see the way he celebrated the the second goal. Mm-hmm. See the way he talks about yeah, loving Glad all over. He's, he's settled in. Of course. I think what, what, more, what more can he do? We've won five games out. He, and he yeah. also, if you remember, his first press conference, he said it's going to take me till March or April to sort this out. Yeah. Which is exactly what's happened. We won five games out of six. We lost to Southampton after an immense effort away to Chelsea. Everybody was talking about us having the, the top six to play. And we've won two of them, you know, the so-called bonus games. We've won two of those already. We're one win away from staying up, to be perfectly honest. He's got to see, he has to take the credit for that. Some people are in need of eating, I think, some serious humble pie over it, frankly. I mean, there was a huge amount of very, very early judgment. People yeah. who didn't want to accept that there were systemic issues with that squad with their fitness with how they were being set up in games with how they were tactically approaching different oppositions etc didn't want to accept that it would take a bit of time to deal with some of that didn't want to accept that it was going to take new personnel in some instances to deal with some of the glaring issues with the personnel and and, and that, that, that has now been been sort of has come to pass before has been shown to be an issue so before he came in how many games would we have gone into reached the 40 minute mark at 1-0 up yeah. And thought, right, we're going to get to half time and get, yeah. get through this. And then, and then in the second half, how many games would you have been <laughs> for the first thirty well, minutes without scoring? You'd be like, you say that on eighty-four minutes with three 0 up, I still did think we were going to. <laughs> yeah, 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 but that's I, the palette. That's I mean, that's not just, anymore. I'm more, way more confident now. It drove. I drove it up the wall last night because I started from about seventy-nine minutes ago, and they can't score three in eleven minutes. Let's go sharp, But that's the, what I liked about it is it's. And even the standard gave us some credit tonight. You know, in years gone by, it would have been dismal Arsenal, mm. lucky Palace. But they, they gave us some credit. But what I thought was brilliant was because you just assume second half we'll sit back and, but we didn't. We went for more goals. We yeah, run the yeah. front foot yeah. right from the start. Alan Smith on the, looking at the sky highlights afterwards. Alan Smith said, "This is at this sort of start that Arsenal wouldn't want the Palace to make. There's only, there's only one team going to win this. Yeah. Like, Palace had more possession and more shots during the second half than they yeah, did yeah. in the first half. Yeah, we, well, we think, all that, for, all, for all that we only had 29% possession or whatever it was, we had six more shots on target than they did. Yeah. Can I just go, yeah. you're talking about that run, Rob. In the last six league games, Palace have won 15 points. That's more points than Man City, Man United, Barcelona, AC Milan, Liverpool and Juventus. We'll put together. No, not put together. Oh. That's brilliant. On a light, but that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. So we've, that's gone really over, crazy. we've gone over to Spain, yeah. beaten, yeah, yeah. you know, the Basically. Spanish teams. Then gone to Italy, done the same. Yeah. Come back and still won points here as well. well. 
Um, Better get used to that ahead of yeah. next year's uh, run towards Europe. The other yeah. downside to last night was being introduced to a young friend of Ed's, a uh, young lady, who I said, this is really exciting, I was here the last time uh, Palace beat Arsenal in 1979, yeah, all right, granddad. Bit early for that, isn't it? Was it was a while ago. Yeah. Okay, can I... I could have been two. Maybe she was just trying yeah. to tell you some news. Oh, crikey. Yeah. I don't think so. Congratulations. No, 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 okay. No, no. I'm going to round off. I'm going to round off part one with a question oh, from one of our no. listeners. And the question is from Paul Scowcroft. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. He simply says, have we turned the corner yet? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, well, I think, let's be, like, the, the point where we've turned the corner is where we are mathematically safe. Isn't that really... Isn't We're approaching the corner. We are. The, we are the corner's inside. We know you, where the corner is. I know, Andy, I know. But you know what's <laughs> yes, interesting, yeah. actually? One, something that was made, a point that was made to me this morning by my colleague, who's a Palace fan. Uh, uh, hello, James. Um, he was Hi. saying that, that you, if you actually compare this season to last season... Uh, we're now at the same number of points that we had before we played Norwich and exactly the same number of games as Is well. that right? I believe that's correct. That's, that's what he was saying. But yeah, it's, it's, I, think, I think the corner's there. You just, you know, if you remember that Norwich game, it was, we've got to get that one more win and that'll be, you know, that yeah. will be, we'll be, have a good I, chance I'm, of getting something out of it. Andy, Andy's looking at me because Andy's a, uh, yeah, a rational man who doesn't believe in superstition and stuff like that. Mm, and right. thinks, but the reason I'm not going to say out loud that we've turned the corner is because... Apparently, I said on a podcast after the Chelsea game, jokingly, that we were making a late run for Europe. Mm-hmm. And then when we lost to Southampton, apparently that was my fault. Right, well, probably According was, to yeah. several people. Yeah. Yeah, it was your well, fault. According to me? No, no, according to people on the social media. We could, on the social media, right, Grandad? We could win what I think if we win uh, on Saturday, we could theoretically go up to 10th in the league which shows how close yeah, I think we need the bottom them. half of the table is well, I, I, said December, points, yeah, I said in yeah. December I said in December 34 we'll probably do it I think 37 will yeah. will do it which is one more win yeah well, one yeah. win away from, from six games we've got two days. Yeah, well, no, seven games seven games seven games and this Swans no. have only got so why, why yeah, is no, anyone worried seven games, got, seven games, yeah. seven games. Yeah. I've yeah. already but seen also, people mentioning Oldham what are you, to- what well, are you not talking about Oldham Palace aren't Oldham. we but I was saying to people last night there's no logic we've won five out of six We are there's no logic to go to saying we won't win any more games People say because well, of course we will. No, but then there's, that's fo- like, there's no logic to being a, f- a football fan. That's that's it's part. Well, it's part of what it's part of being a Palace fan. It's the opposite. Of, like, it's the the opposite of the Pardew effect, where everyone kept kept saying, "Well, at some point, we'll we'll definitely turn it around on a Pardew. Mm. They'll come that point." You do end up worrying that maybe that point won't come. So you you do worry that. I mean, it's it's we should be all right. We're looking good, don't we? Yeah, we've got those two bonus two bonus wins. Andy's looking really. I can't believe people are talking about you just beaten Arsenal and Chelsea in two games and you've still got Burnley, Hull, and Leicester at home. Well, the other thing as well, talking about the fact is that it's home because our home form, we talked about that all season. Now we've won three on the spin at home. Yeah. After since the Sunderland debacle. With how many clean sheets? With all of them with clean sheets, exactly. And against, you know, you take Southampton out with those five, we kept four clean sheets in those six games that we, that we won, you know, so. We are a form team. People won't want to play us, and, and not we're adaptable as well. We're not playing. You know, that's why Allardyce is not like Pulis. Pulis said one way of playing, and when it yeah. worked, it was great. Yeah. But Allardyce is far more flexible. Than he said that he's come out and said there. that, hasn't he, in yeah. his presses that we we adapt for each game. Yeah. And we've said on this pod so many times we have to sort the home form out. In part, you literally said it for two years yeah, yeah. every week, and now now we've finally done it. Yeah. And the psychological effect as well, because. We've beaten all the top six in the past four seasons. We've had good results, but the Arsenal was the last, basically the last one. Well, I mean, as well. Well, yeah, yeah. Not really top six anymore, are they? So. No. But. Um, and we still got to play them, so we might end. We might end that run as well. Well, it's the other thing. Liverpool, all the Liverpool have lost to five of the bottom six. Yeah. United draw most of their games at home. These are not games that you're particularly scared of. I don't think right now there's so much confidence in the team. We're probably not. Scared yeah, of Tottenham. anyone, really? Tottenham is the only. The only yeah, Tottenham will be a, 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 a real problem. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Right, uh, let's wrap up part one there. In part two, we've got questions from our listeners. So, Johnson, a bit. Hello, welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey! Pod 210, sponsored. Yeah. By Vector Printing, for your print embroidery needs, go to vector.co.uk, and that's Vector with a... K! 
Nice. And uh, JCIS, global, JCIS, the Global Research and Brand Consultancy from South London. Visit... You're doing it. Visit, Jace, visit JC... Oh, yes. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, sorry. He's doing it eventually, yeah. All right. Um, visit jc-is.com. I will, I will, I will, I will. I preferred the first one. Um, questions from our listeners. The first one comes from Pinky Brown. Hi, Pinky. Hi, Pinky. Hello. <laughs> and Pinky says, The bloke next to me last night was really upset at how Andy Johnson had let himself go until I pointed out it was Sasser Churches. <laughs> wow. Uh, have you... Uh, Sasser Churches tweets real. I wonder if we could get Sasser Churches involved in Renth. I don't think get one on the pod. Oh, I don't think oh. you get one on the pod. Well, it looks no. like he'd turn up to the opening of a palace-themed envelope yeah. right now. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, but tooled up. <laughs> anyway... Pinky says, have you ever mistaken a Palace player for another and did it have any hysterical anecdotal consequences? That, the, well, the entirety of Sellers Park mistook Jake Livermore for John Bostock, who was a yeah. former Palace player yeah. relatively recently with hilarious yeah. consequences, <laughs> with Jake Livermore then looking really bemused at what he'd done to really earn such, such chagrin from Palace fans. But that's about all I can think of. Yeah, I can't. No. Can't think of any. No. Oh, it's, I'm amazed that Street you didn't say we mistook Wayne Hennessy for a goalkeeper, but <laughs> well, no, no one would ever be yeah. stupid enough to do that. Okay, uh, the next question is from Smoz. Yeah, Smoz. Hi, Smoz. Smoz says, "Which was the greater achievement?" I did once mix up somebody in one direction with a waiter. For reals? Yeah. How did that go down? Not, not well. <laughs> Which one was it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Me neither. Harry? Um, is there one called Harry? Think so. That yeah. well, Harry Styles. Yeah, you brilliant. Okay, uh, next question. Well, he was standing behind his buffet bar thing. I just wearing a waistcoat. No, it might have been wearing a waistcoat. Anyway, Ali will tell. I do get people mixed up quite a lot. Uh, the next question is from Smalls. Trying to do a podcast this week. Smalls says, "What was the greater achievement? Thrashing a poor Arsenal side <laughs> or narrowly narrowly beating an excellent Chelsea one?" That's a good question. Good question, eh? Allardyce seemed to think that the Arsenal defeat, the, the defeat of Arsenal, was better. Um, but I think if you if you look, I don't know. It's difficult because we we the, the, you can say it was a poor Arsenal side, but we made them look poor. I, strangely enough, I mean the Arsenal result was probably the more unexpected. I think we spoke after the Chelsea game that there seemed to be a level of optimism from Palace fans before that game that we could get a point. From the Arsenal game or Chelsea? No, from the Chelsea game. I thought there, there was a strange degree of optimism before that. And, I and felt also we've got a half-decent record at Stamford Bridge. That's true. I, felt, I think, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's the Arsenal one because we dominated them from, from for 90 minutes. We were the better team than they were. We did ride a little bit of luck against Chelsea. It was a great team performance and we, and we deserved at least a point. But we deserved all three points yeah. and more last night. So for me, psychologically... Having seen Palace lose to Arsenal so many times, yeah, at Sellers Park, that was. Did it not feel like the perfect time to play Arsenal with everything that was happening there? I can't see. We keep making these caveats and these ifs and buts. It's like we beat Arsenal. They're still fifth or whatever they are in the. In the but Premier clearly, League. they've got a bit of a mess, haven't they? The players yeah, were really playing for the manager. Yeah, that's fine, but we took advantage. No, we're not Barcelona. We're not going to go yeah, toe not... to toe with Arsenal at their very yeah. best in no, the invincible I'm not, I'm not saying that, but... You have to look at the players they've got. You have people like Sanchez and. and I was going to say Bellerin, but that would have been wrong. Sanchez and Walcott and Ozil. Yeah. He was very good until he got knocked out by Alonso, and then all yeah. of a sudden he seems to have changed into a yeah. completely yeah. different player. But then you had, like, I mean, you had even Jamie Carragher was saying, just as the players were coming out yesterday, this this could, this would be the third defeat in a row for Arsenal. Yeah. They, they, they would, they should, you know, the away defeat, uh, yeah. A, a t- yeah, a third away defeat. Fourth, and fourth away defeat. A fourth away yeah. defeat. Yeah. So he, he said, like, this, it, it, this is exactly the kind of game where you expect them to bounce back. Yeah, and, and they just and, didn't. So, but but that was but it, but you've got to give so much credit to Crystal Palace for that because we actually we we put the defenders under pressure. We stopped yeah. Sanchez and and Ozil and all their other players from actually do, creating anything. So, in, in that regard, I think I think the Chelsea game was probably more surprising in some ways because they're top of the table and they they've had such a ridiculously good home form. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of important, like, I don't know. I think important in terms of importance and performances. I thought the Arsenal game was pretty damn, but top, when, t- near top in terms of quality for us. Regardless yeah, of Arsenal's away form, they just beat West Ham three <clears> 0 
yeah. and played well. And in the past, how many times would we have said, "Well, don't worry, Arsenal fans, you're playing Palace next week, so you'll bounce." Yeah. That'll be the game you bounce back. Mm. And I think they everyone assumed that that would happen. Yeah. Okay. The, the next question's got a reference that I'm I'm guessing only Kevin will get. Oh yeah, that love making is it? Here we go. <laughs> Please never say that ever again. <laughs> it's from a listener called X Cowboy. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like X Hamster. Who says? <laughs> oh boy. Um, uh, Ex Cowboy says, "Who would win in a fight between Arsenal's back four and a copy of Linda Goodman's Love Signs?" No, it's just, no, just, no, no. I've no idea what that is. I, I regret that I don't know what Linda Goodman's Love Signs are. <laughs> there was a Linda Nugent once, but that was a long time ago. Okay. Linda, no, I don't. I, Have we found a cultural reference so old <laughs> that even Kevin doesn't know it. <laughs> I think it might be about Rob, I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know. <laughs> don't know, okay. No? Yeah, Fair enough. Have you heard the Beatles about the Waller stuff that happened in the past? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's called knowledge. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You don't have to have been born here to know it. <laughs> okay, I'm, regardless of whatever Linda thing his love signs is, I'm going to say they'd win, they'd win in a fight between. That's why you weren't good with women, isn't it? <laughs> what, because I don't know what Linda Goodman's love signs is? Oh. Hmm. Um. Next question. Unless she's only got one love sign, but, you know. Maybe. She hasn't met me then. <clears throat> Please don't say that. Oh, yes, that's just creepy. Next question is from Stuart Cox. It's not... Oh. <laughs> Did not pick that one intentionally. Um, <laughs> Again. Who says, I've been listening for a couple of years now from abroad, mainly Thailand. Oh, okay. Mainly Hi, Thailand. hello, Hello, Stuart. Mainly Thailand. Love, love it. Good. The pod, so thank you very much. Question... What are the chances of us keeping Saka? I think... I don't think they're... I think there's a lot of wishful hoping and wishful thinking. I think I think Sacco is easily capable uh, of being a defender for a top four side. <coughs> and I don't think that includes... Unfortunately, we're not that. But, but, oh, look, I think but if you look at, think... look at them through it and look at the way teams play... And look at their setups. He's he's not the sort of player who plays particularly brilliantly in a high line. So he mm-hmm. can write out right off Tottenham, right off City, yeah, and probably Arsenal as well. Mm-hmm. And he, he looks too clumsy to play for Arsenal. Man United aren't signing him because Man United only like signing really expensive players, and certainly won't sign an ex Liverpool centre back because one Liverpool won't let him go there, and two they wouldn't sign someone who crosses that divide who isn't you know yeah. a superstar. So then you're left with Chelsea. I mean, I suppose there's there's an argument there, but a Chelsea after they win the league going to go straight to a player who's been playing at Palace earlier in the season I, I, I don't know I, I think there's a possibility I don't yeah. think I don't think fans of the top six clubs would be that impressed no. if they were to buy Sacco mm. in terms of ambition and whatever I think, um, he's a good he's a really really good centre back he's not world class and also his, his past in terms of his attitude under Klopp Left a lot to be desired. There will be the managers at those clubs will think he's a potential problem, disruptive influence. Allardyce is clearly managing him very well. He's a. I think if we can match his money, I don't see why he wouldn't stay. To be if we can sell him the ambition of the club, I think there's. I don't think we should write it off as an impossibility. I think possibly two years ago you'd go no, it's, there's absolutely no chance, but. I think he's really, really enjoying being the main man. You can see how much he loves playing for Palace. You can see how much he responds to the, the, the praise that he's getting from the fans. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think the important thing is the same with Wilf. I think in the, in the bottom final analysis, it's going to be money. And, if it, yeah. and there's no reason, I don't think there's any reason with the Premier League funds that we, hopefully we, we will retain and with the American billionaires, I don't think there's any reason why we can't match it. Whatever. Yeah, and... I think it was just from my perspective it's just managing expectations a little bit I think with with the thing that Sacco said during the week last week was that he would be welcome to a, t- a return to Liverpool if things you know if the manager felt that it would work but and I it's think that's probably that's, the most likely that's, likely outcome yeah. that's, that's non-Palace right now because you look mm-hmm. around 
Europe, there aren't that many clubs that can actually match the wage sort of structures that Premier League cl- clubs can mm. actually offer. He's not going to on the top two in Spain. PSG, mm. you know, possibility, maybe, yeah. possibility. Monaco again, maybe. But there aren't that, there aren't that many elite European clubs think, who pay who pay Premier League level. Also, wages I don't think now. he's good enough on the ball for those clubs because he's not he's not a footballing centre back. He's a brilliant centre back. He's a brilliant defender, but he's not a John Stones. He's not. You know, we saw that against West Brom when he tackled the ref. And I <laughs> still I, got the ball though. Yeah, he did get the ball. And I, I think you talk about expectations. Nobody thought two years ago if you said Ben Teke was going to yeah. come to the Palace. That's, that's, that's true. You would have said there's no yeah. chance. You would have said there's no chance of goodbye coming to Palace. Yeah. So I think we should be looking to try and get him. And I think it's certainly it's got to be an option for him. Of course. If it, I think if it, if it comes down to two factors it's going to be one as Kevin says the wages and two actually demonstrating by saying to him well this is who we're going to bring in over the summer mm. that we're looking to push yeah. on yeah. you won't want to be involved in two relegation scraps in a year even for 150 grand a week yeah. but if you can offer him the sort of you know combination of those factors probably likes living in London and if you offer him enough money and offer him the possibility of being part of a team that is looking upwards who knows yeah. and wait, we've bust our wages structure yeah, <laughs> wide open now. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's any any discipline that we're just, you know, Steve Parish for the first two years in the Premier League tried to keep really restrained on the wages yeah. structure, but that went with Kabai and Benteke. And I guess back in the day, play. players like Wilf would have moved on to get money because they those sort of wages were only being available elsewhere. But now, yeah. you know, we 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 can match them probably. Yeah. Okay, and next next question is from DMF seventy three. I DMF. I D. Who says if we are unable to buy Saka in the summer? Is our current four back four good enough, or would we need to buy elsewhere? No, we need to buy no, elsewhere. Yes. Yeah, no and yes is the no and yes. No, yeah. it's not good no, enough. Yes, was not. No. Yeah. Even allowing for the fact that I think Joel Ward was really good, you still expect us to be after a right back. Yeah. Uh, a combination of Dan Delaney Tompkins isn't good enough. We, we we saw that in the first half of the season. We know it's not mm-hmm. good enough. Tompkins looks a much better player with. Sacco if Sacco goes we would definitely be looking for another although we haven't seen Dan and Tompkins play together with Mijovojevic yet and we don't know whether it's sort of calming influence I think obviously it would be a huge loss if we can't either keep Sacco or get someone of an equivalent quality but you never know Mijovojevic has had a huge impact both sort of tactically and in terms of what he adds individually but in terms of avoiding what happens, I just—it strikes me that much as I love both Dan and Tompkins, they are better players with a player like Sacco. Mm. It's somebody yeah. like Sacco and either Dan or Tompkins, not those two. Well, they're competent, but if we're talking about ambition and staying up again, then you would look to get, get somebody like him in. As I mentioned, it's the same question. So ben, I'd like to see Benteke stay. I'd like to see Kabai stay. I'd like to see Sacco stay. But yeah. I think we all would. Um, next question is from Johnny Latimer. Hi, Hi Johnny. Johnny. Is there a correlation between Hennessy's improved performances and the new goalkeeping coach? I think it's. I think. I think it's a combination of uh, new manager, different tactics that essentially protect the goalkeeper a little bit more. Uh, a goalkeeping coach who spends a lot more time working on potential weak spots for opponents and potential danger spots, which apparently he now does, and uh, an improvement in fitness, which meant that that Hennessy's lost a, a stone in weight. I think all of those things combine to turn it into it not just being a case of saying, well, it's just one man's fault. I think you've got to just take percentages from each one of those things. Uh, and we, we do play... And more like our defense, our style is far less open and, and less. I mean, the number of times that that Arsenal actually had direct shots on goal, I don't think that there were that many opportunities well, yesterday. Three, three on target, three. three on target, which is probably massively reduced on what it was under Pardew. I think on on average against part in a, with Pardew, we had something like six or seven shots on target. So you you've, you you know all of these things combine and it turns into it's great for Hennessy because he's he's now being given the opportunity to, to to make positive contributions without constantly being under scrutiny as a result of tactics and whatever else that comes with it. Well, also, I think there's the simpler answer, if you don't mind me saying so, Rob, is yes. <laughs> but also because I, don't, I have got some insight, because, you know, Tom, my nephew, he lives here, he's been training with the first day, and he says, it gets very technical and scientific, but he says Margotson's, uh 
he was sort of suspicious of him at first. He said he's really different to any goalkeeping coach he's ever worked with. But he says he's brilliant. He's a genius. He's like, and he concentrates on, you know, he let yeah, the fitness element is is one thing, and the you know constant you know training for you know stopping the shot and getting up and stopping another shot. That's yeah, but. He says the work Margaretson does on positioning and stuff, and he, he doesn't use like cones and bins like other goalkeeping coaches do because you don't play against cones and bins on a pitch. So he uses players. And so he, he says he's a really, really exciting goalkeeping coach, mm. and I think clearly Hennessy's. And, and there are elements, you know, the confidence that's going through the whole team, but he's clearly Hennessy is better than he was. This time last year, there, there was still and, there's still some headless moments. I mean, yesterday, yeah, yes, in yesterday's game, he came off his line and it ended up with Kelly having to clear it off the line. But equally, when that actually happened, the first thing you saw was defenders actually run to the line to cover it. Yeah, Whereas yeah, before, yeah. you just end up seeing them all standing there waiting, watching, yeah, seeing yeah, what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So they had at least they had an idea that this was what was going yeah, on, yeah. which suggests that Hennessy might and have also, worked on his communication. Side well, of things as well. well, whether it's Hennessy or something, but clearly, as you said before, there is more confidence in him from the centre-backs and in the centre-backs from him and they're talking all the time and there is mm. and it, it, it's stopped being an issue basically yeah. uh, hopefully in two or three pods time he won't even be I mean it's, it's telling that we're still coming away from games going oh Hennessy was alright which is a euphemism for he didn't cock it up yeah he was fine yeah. yeah so he's he's just becoming a sort of do you think well, you think he'll ever become normalised? Do you think that'll ever get to that point? I think he's had such a bad run with Palace fans. That I think there'll, there'll always be some that will just think, never give him a fair. I think that's a really good point, and I think people will always be waiting for yeah. his mistake. Yeah, it's a point in the street. You're right, yeah. but no, I think there are a lot of Palace fans who feel the same way. But you know, he did keep us in the game against Chelsea, and last yeah. night what he had to Massively. do, he did well. And the moments are getting fewer. His distribution is. Much better, and the clangers just aren't there anymore. I think the unfortunate well, not as, thing, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> not they were not as bad as they used well. To. But as Rob said, it's a very good point. If your if your defence is so much more <laughs> steady in front of you that yeah. you're not facing, if you're facing half the shots that you used to face, <laughs> yeah, then it's obviously cutting down on. Yeah, I think the unfortunate so, thing for Hennessy as well is that whereas outfield players would make the mistakes that would come from a lack of fitness and lack of focus. Uh, wouldn't get punished if you're a goalkeeper and you're making those mistakes. You do end up getting you do end up getting punished. He, well, it was do if you it came as a result if of, you not make yourself. It like came you as a result of his, <laughs> yeah, it's his decision, of course it's yeah. his decision making. Yeah. But equally, that is part of you know that you can add, all of these little bits add up to turn yeah. it into something that that you know when you take all of those things away, you'd end up back again where we were. If we stay up, it's still the first position at the end of the season that we should be looking to upgrade. It's as simple as that. He's on a very good run of form at the moment, and absolutely mm. fair play to him. His decision making over that run of form has been very good. He's starting positions recently. There was an instance in the second half yesterday where the ball's laid through from the Arsenal midfield to I think Sanchez is on a run. Hennessy has already adopted the right starting position, like gathers the ball quite easily on the sort of far left of his area. And at that point, I said to. Uh, the pal that I sit next to, well, even Hennessy's adopting good starting positions mm. at the moment. It must really be the twilight zone tonight. But he is doing that, those sort of basics quite well at the moment. But he's still not technically good enough. You look at the shot map of where the shots were placed on target last night by Arsenal. They were all in fairly comfortable areas, frankly. There's, well, there's one that looks great for the cameras. The Who, who took that shot? El Nenny. El Nenny. El Nenny's yeah. shot. Equally, if you want to be pushing upwards in, into mid table in the Premier League and higher, he's not a mid table or higher Premier. Uh, he's well, not even a sort of lower mid table Premier be, League. But player. to be fair to him, he is even the simple stuff. He is gathering the ball into him in a way that he wasn't even five or six games ago. He's not parrying stuff back into the middle in a way he was five or six games ago. And I, I generally don't think that he is that goalkeeper is a priority for us. And also, I mean, look, where would you look for a keeper who's who's. Yeah, I think someone like Begovic at Chelsea would be an ideal one because he hasn't played a game at Chelsea really. But I think I think you've just got to give some give him some credit because he's, his his performances have improved. Margotson's yeah. obviously had an impact on that. I'm I'm pretty sure of it. You can just tell by just from what Andy's saying by his positioning sense and things like that. These little things make a difference. But you talk about yeah, you know, people talk about Pickford at Sunderland being a really good keeper. He's very, very young. I'd, I don't I'd, see, I'd be I going with Begovic absolutely I don't, every single day. I don't see he's necessarily better than... What, Begovic? No, but Pickford, people like that. Oh, no, Pickford. Pickford's yeah. still very, very raw, very, very but why young. Why would you say, it's a slight damage in Dartmouth say, well, I'd rather have a keeper who hasn't played a, game, a minute for Chelsea this season than Hennessy. 
who's a Wales keeper who played every minute yeah. of the year. No, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely disagree. Up. Begovic mm. is hugely head and shoulders above I mean, Wayne Hennessy. By that argument, you wouldn't have wanted Hennessy to come in to replace Spironi because Hennessy wasn't playing for Wolves. You know, it's yeah, but by his own admission, he was yeah. refusing to play for Yeah, them. well, that's his choice. Yeah, yeah but you, you have issues at football clubs where players who are pretty good aren't always playing. Yeah, I don't disagree that there are better goalkeepers out there, but I do disagree that it's a priority in terms of what Allardyce wants to replace. Yeah. I, think Allardyce, to I, think Allardyce, I don't get any impression that Allardyce is anything other than, than happy with him, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Okay. Uh, quick one from Will Luck. Hi, Will. Hi, Will. Hey, Will. He says, what's your favourite way to eat potatoes? Well, it depends what time of year. It's coming up to the Jersey Royals coming out. Uh, definitely crushed. Mm-hmm. Crushed Jersey Royals. With anything little, on them? Little, little tiny bit of butter, a little bit of sea yeah. salt. Sounds really nice. Good. Otherwise mashed with some spring onion. Not, really not nice. roasted? Not a fan of that? Not a fan of roasted. Mm. Mrs. Day is looking through the cold roast potatoes, I don't mind. Is this the Irish heritage coming through here? Whoa! Whoa. Whoa. Wow! You've got two Irishmen Whoa. here. Whoa. Oh my God. Raising racism. Whoa. <laughs> yes, I love potatoes. <laughs> Unacceptable. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, because we couldn't get them. I love haggis. So so I guess it all works. No one loves haggis. Yeah. Oh, I don't mind haggis, actually. Which is actually, haggis is technically Irish as well, in origin. No, you yeah. can't crawl this, no. Yeah, that's fine. Bear in mind, it was your people that no, it's actually true. transplanted themselves. Okay. The six ca- anyway. Oh, I wish I hadn't asked that question. <laughs> um, next question is from Neil Webb. Hi, Hi Neil. Neil. Neil says, when will Wilf come out and publicly thank <laughs> Alan Shearer for providing a motivational speech every week on Match of the Day? Well, uh, uh, it really annoyed this Alan Shearer business. Really annoyed me because Alan Shearer has basically come in and said, "Oh, well, you know, he's got to improve." But the, Wilf has been on an upward trajectory ever since he started came back to Palace. In terms of his, the quality of his performances, have just got better and better and better and better. So that you, the, the when when you end up learning, bear in mind his first season at Palace. Uh, back in the Premier League was an adjustment season mm. so you get used to playing at that level the next season he ended up uh, winning the player of the the, the player of the year award because mm. of his performances I mean bear in mind w- w- it was the year we got to the FA Cup final the, he's not a, you know he played really well and so then naturally you would then imagine that once he's adjusted and understood all the uh, what it takes to be a Premier League player you'd then but you'd then he'd then exploit that and become you know and take advantage of those things that he's learned. That's what happens when players get older and they. He's had how many appearances in the Premier League now? Or is I it think two hundred and fifty for Palace. Shearer kind of painted himself into a corner a little bit because by his own admission, Shearer based his initial criticism of his time at Man U, mm-hmm. essentially. And to be fair to Alan Shearer, because he's not the sharpest knife in the box. He's, you know, he's he will get presented by match of the day producers with certain statistics, that, that, and also to be fair to him, he had a point initially when he all what he's trying to say now is that he's basing his criticism of Wilf partly out of frustration because he should be a really good player, but also partly based on his Wilf stats, which until this season, if, if you just take stats, it weren't brilliant in terms of assists and in terms of goals, but. I don't think Wilf's motivated at all by Shearer's criticism, but everything that we've all talked about that Wilf has, could improve upon, he's done. And, all of, yeah, all and even it. even to yeah. the extent that in the last pod we said that the one thing he hasn't got is that getting to the byline, and yet he did that twice last night, and, yeah. and we scored goals from it. So yeah, Shearer, I, it, you shouldn't really play the Shearer. You know, Shearer would be delighted to think that he had played a part in Wilf getting better, but he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't no. really. I'm sure the question yeah, was. I think uh, a lot of it. I, I think. To, I think Southgate has because I think a lot of the way Wilf is playing at the moment is a huge two fingered salute to to Southgate and rightly so. Yeah. But also, I think it's to do with the fact that. Wilf's playing with better players around him. You can tell that uh, yeah. about it being slightly Southgate related from a few of Wilf's yeah. Instagram posts. Yeah. Down with the kids. Thank you very much. Yeah. He did one fairly recently where it was more or less based exactly on the words that Southgate said. You need passion. Yeah. You need passion. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. After, yeah. after him smiling. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's no because yeah, at the moment there's nothing you can say. You, there's no but about Wilf at the moment. There's no, no but. Exactly. Because you know, exactly. it's just and his stats now are just. Yeah, you know, Europe wide is just brilliant. I actually thought and also his attitude as well. It's just 
Well, I thought last night it was actually a very mature performance from Wilf because for the first 15, 20 minutes, Monreal actually kind of had him in check a bit and played well. But, but Wilf didn't get frustrated. He yeah. kept coming back. He kept working hard. And in the end, he's, he's got two assists. It was. I think it was really interesting. Somebody said last night at halftime, it, it's, it, Wilf is so good now that you notice it when he's just good. Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you, yeah. After forty-five yeah. minutes, you're going, "Well, Wolf's just yeah. he's just good tonight, rather than." Well, it's, the funny thing is, still that still I, I saw yeah. a few tweets from Palace fans going, "Oh, yeah, he wasn't as great as usual," and yet you looked at all of the match reports, all, all of them all singled out Zaha. He was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Did, so did the commentators on Sky. They all picked up and his his work rate's phenomenal. But he's it, again, it's something else we discussed. He's he's just clearly a happier young man. Yeah. Exactly. And whether again that's to do with Allardyce or people around him, he's just happier in his well, own skin. Wolf said like, in the post-match yeah. conference uh, um, interview with Sky that that you know when you have a plan uh, with how to play opponents, oh. uh, good opponents, you can make things work. Yeah. I wonder if that was a big. Sounds a bit like yeah. one. Okay, um, Zulu Echo Romeo Oscar. Zulu Echo Romeo Zero. Zero. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Says uh, Wolf Zaha. Best player in a palace shirt since dot dot dot. Wow, that's, that's a great question. Um, Ian Wright. Whoa, really? Lombardo. I'd have, I'd have said Lombardo. Lombardo. I was going to say Lombardo too. Lombardo Man- wasn't with Palace at the peak of his career though. He was. He was twenty eight. Twenty yeah. He was. He was. No, I'm not having that. Well, he, <laughs> well, he was. He left, he left Palace and went won the... He went to Lazio and won yeah, the won UEFA Cup. He, he was on about 50 facts yeah. a day by that stage. He was at his peak at about 24. It's hard to compare it. Well, it's just Football was different those days, Andy. <laughs> Are you comparing He's a better footballer than he, he, He'll never score as many goals as he, right? He's a better footballer than... Are we comparing it in, And what do you compare it on? Like ability or stats or, or what? In his position... I don't know. Um, I think you could you could say he's the it's, it's, the, the best Palace player to have come from our academy for. Well, that's qualifying it really no, big time. I mean, no, because because if you say best player in a Palace shirt, you could legitimately say since Edgar Davids. Edgar Davids was absolutely amazing. Not in a Palace shirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is yeah. that. Okay, Thomas there Brolin. Is that. Yeah. Thomas Brolin. But yeah, Lombardo yeah. was brilliant in a Palace shirt. He was brilliant in a Palace shirt. But you still have to place that in a certain context. Matt Janssen. He was still. I mean, Jan- yeah, Janssen. <laughs> for talent wise, Janssen was amazing. Yeah. It's, but it's it's so difficult to compare generations. But yeah. I just you Lombardo just... wasn't tearing up the top four in the Premier League the way that Wilf now is. is. No, fair mm, there's that. There yeah, is but that. You, but there that's like that. comparing Wilf to a goalkeeper in a way. But then we've also we've just said that Wilf had better players around him. Lombardo had Paul Warhurst and Neil Emblem playing with him. Yeah. Legends of, at their time. Okay. <laughs> Simon Roger as well, wasn't it? No, I just I think what you need to do is just celebrate Wilf and enjoy him. He's just, he's so yeah. good to watch, isn't yeah. he? He just, he just is. He just, you can stand there and just enjoy it. It's brilliant. Okay, the next question. We've had quite a few of these over the last few weeks, and I've been avoiding them, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. Uh-oh. From Sydney Eagle. Hello. Oh, I really don't want to do it, but I'm gonna do it. Are you already looking forward to the Brighton derbies next season so we can humiliate them on the global scale stage, global stage? Well, see, half an hour ago we hadn't turned the corner. Yeah, <laughs> so we can't yeah. really commit to. Uh, it's kind of horrible thinking Brighton will come up, but they pretty much are, though, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, but it's even more horrible to think that they would come up and we would. Yeah. Do that thing that we're not going to say out loud. <laughs> yeah, don't say it. <laughs> that's why you're going to say it. I'm going to say what I wasn't listening. Uh, Brighton. As long as it's, well, we're going to beat them three-one again. That would be good. There would be. Obviously, the, the FA, the Premier League fixture computer being what it is, we will end up being away at Southampton on Boxing Day rather than home to Brighton. But <laughs> yeah. Of course, there is an element of wanting to be in the same. Yeah. Uh, I, ju- I just want to clarify that Lombardo joined us at the age of 31. Just, just throw it out there. Did he? Yeah. Just, just throwing it oh. out there. He was definitely just, younger than just that. Just thro- yeah. Well, born on the 6th of January 1966. So just throwing it out there. 31. Yeah, 31. Still a very good player at that age. Still kind of in a prime for that yeah. kind of age, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Very good, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Apologies on a how old so Italian old, players how old, how look after themselves. So. How old is Ronaldo? 31. I'm glad that we got yeah. away from Brian yeah. with Would that you say Ronaldo? effortless segue. Okay. You say in his prime, I say kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got, we've got now face up to the fact that Brian are coming up and that we're going to play them in the top league and that they are basically a sub-middlesbrough team. Mm. So as yeah. long as we keep going the way that we're going, we're going to absolutely smash them and take six points. Oh, God. Woohoo! Okay. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. You're going to get tweets now in November. It's going to be your fault. 
Right. Final few questions. Pete, see if we can get a half. See if Vector will do us a half and half scarf. Oh God. Ugh. Peter Sansbury. Hi, Peter. Hello. Says, Hi, Peter. If you became a father today, what would you name the baby? Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what the? <laughs> you didn't tell me about. <laughs> I think he's hoping we, there was a Paris yeah. related. Well, no, I did, did see there, there was when uh, uh, in my day. You could tell whether it was a boy or girl by holding a pin over the bump. So we didn't have scans in my day when before Ed was born. But I did. I did. How old are you? <laughs> Not that. There were serious negotiations. <laughs> Is that when the stalk delivered? <coughs> yeah. Is that right? That if if we had a girl, I wanted to call it Crystal Patricia Alice. Mm-hmm. So she'd be Crystal P Alice. But. Yeah. So that's what I'd go for. I'd go for Crystal. Martin Long's daughter is called Crystal Alice, is it Martin Long? Uh, I might do what Neil Ruddock yeah. did and call her daughter Pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> and then not tell my wife until going on a TV show five years later <laughs> when she accidentally saw her birth certificate and went, Why is our daughter called Pebbles? Because I like the Flintstones. Oh dear. That's still my favourite story that I've heard this year. <laughs> yeah. um, I would say. Uh, I don't know Mamadou <laughs> Mamadou can you imagine Mamadou Sacco get some funny looks in Oxford yeah, there mate would. Mamadou, well, Mamadou Sutherland the Scottish part of your family would be yeah. <laughs> uh, is young Mamadou coming to the uh, function today that's a good name yeah. Mamadou coming so where's Rob from uh, posh part of Scotland they don't have an accent so. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite like the name Luca Luca's quite a nice name Luca, yeah, Luca's Luca nice. Daly Luca Daly Will, Will Fritz yeah. Wayne Wayne Street yeah, Wayne, Wayne, Street, Wayne Street. Wayne Street. Wayne Street. Yeah, going, got to it, yeah. That sounds a lot like someone who likes tracksuit bottoms a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the that. worst version of Sesame Street, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Much. Today's letter is D for drop. <laughs> Christian's quite nice, isn't it? Christian. Christian. Yeah. Okay. Um, final question then to Sam Norman. Hi Sam. Hi, Hi Sam. Sam. He says, "I've only managed to get to two games this season due to a variety of reasons, but I've seen Palace score seven goals with six different goal scorers and only concede the once." Picking up six points. Shall I bother going on Saturday? Someone buy him a ticket. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Get this man a season it. ticket. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point about different goal scorers as well. The goals are being spread around the team, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Thank you for your so questions. That would have been South, presumably last night, and Sunderland Stoke. No, wait, when do we. Hang on. With three last night. When did we score four? Stoke. Stoke, yeah, Stoke. Tap. Townsend, MacArthur, and last night you've got Luca, Kabai. Yeah, so it's about that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, thank you for your questions. Uh, someone buys Sam Norman a season ticket, and um, in part three we're going to be previewing uh, the visit of Leicester City to Selhurst. <laughs> Welcome back to part three of the FYP podcast. Spon- Sorry. Sponsored by Vector Printing for your Yay. printing embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk and that's Vector with a K. Just taking any medication there? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I've got hay fever. <laughs> what, 9.45? Uh, Pollen never sleeps, mate. And it goes uh, upwards at night, though. That's what God. she said. Oh, oh my God. Um... <laughs> We are also sponsored by JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. I will. Hmm. Ron Burgundy. <laughs> um, questions for this part um, that I've put in. Come, first one comes from Jimmy A.G. Hi, Jimmy. Oh, hi, Jimmy. Hello. Jimmy says, Palace play Leicester on Sunday. Saturday. It's actually Saturday. Uh, for Leicester, the Palace game is between two tough Champions League games. Hmm. Is this now our best shot at securing safety? Yeah, I'm surprised. Mm. It's, uh, Wednesday, yeah. Are they doing it two weeks in a row then, Champions League? Yeah. I think they are. This is really bizarre the time. It's on, like, it's Usually really it's like two weeks, isn't it? Are they se- semis or quarters now? Quarters. Quarters. And we're still, it'd be mid to late April. So, yeah, we'd be rolling through quite quickly, wouldn't it? Well, okay. I think the point is that they will have had a really tough game, presumably tomorrow night. They'll have had a tough game. Yeah. And it, hopefully there might be an element of us after Chelsea that they might tire. Mm-hmm. I think it'll probably, so, if, it'll probably rest 
players if if they in with a genuine shout of going through to the Champions League semi-finals mm. and they feel they've now done it and they probably have now done enough to stay out. The ad, yeah, the ideal scenario might, is that they're know, still in the game. Yeah, that they're, they're yeah. one nil down or two one down. So they don't get, but so we, but we basically don't want them to get spanked. No, Wednesday night, want them to stay yeah. in it. But they um, didn't. For, for all that, I didn't think they looked that good against against Everton. Everton. They, didn't, they concede goals. Yeah, and you know, everyone yeah, talks about them winning do. five games on the trot, but they were mostly against lower opposition. Yeah. So I don't think we should be. And Rob's right. They concede yeah. goals. Absolutely. And right now, we're very, very confident going forward. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we won't give them the sort of space that Everton gave them at the start of the game on mm. Sunday yeah. for Vardy to run into. I'm looking but, forward to it. Um, I'm, I'm guessing we're expecting the same same lineup because the last two games have been playing lineup, haven't they? Of course. With coming Kabai, we all thought Kabai might not play, and then he, he was a. I think it depends on how uh, whether Tompkins is fit, which is presumably he won't be. It will be the same lineup, but not necessarily the same style of performance. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we'll adapt it for. But we certainly would be confident scoring goals against them. Yeah. Um, I got another question from David. Hi, David. Hi, David. Hello. Um, it's not to do with Leicester, but I. I think it's quite interesting. I'm going to chuck it in anyway. Um, we've taken out two top London clubs in the last yeah. just over a week. Um, do you think Spurs might be a little bit worried now? Could we have a psychological advantage? It's an interesting point. Those two victories are certainly going to make people a bit, bit more afraid of playing Palace. I would be interested because when in years gone by, our record against London teams was always pretty poor. So I'd be interested to see how it stands up hmm. this season and last season. I don't know if Tottenham will be, will be worried, but I mean Tottenham will try and play football against us, and they'll be they're for sure a better team than Arsenal. But I think we're slowly getting back to the stage where teams are wary about travelling to Sellers Park, which mm-hmm. perhaps they weren't. It's another evening game. I don't know if it's going to be on telly again, so mm-hmm. the atmosphere is going to be fantastic. I think we can score goals against, and again, it's a, another free hit though. In a sense, it's another mm-hmm. bonus game, and I think. The, it, again, you want Tottenham to still be in with a little sniff of a chance, mm-hmm. but for us, it is a. Mm. It's, there's nothing for us to be worried about, and it, it would be nice to play them. Our home form is getting yeah. better, without a doubt. But it's more important. The games against Hull and Burnley are more. Yeah, and Alice has talked about you know yeah. that it's still in our the balls in our court, and we got to win these these important games. But we yeah. we beat Watford, we beat Borough at home. We're winning those games, and I guess. Yeah. I personally feel as confident as ever that we'll win on Saturday, which of course means we're going to lose one now. Brilliant. Anyway, that's it. No, no, <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think I'm confident. Yeah, I, th- I think, but I think we, I think you can be confident to an extent because of how we've played at home in the last three matches. You're not talking about, you're not talking about it being <coughs> the same side that we had under Pardew where you ended up worrying about I mean you, you, we, we if you look back at that we went a, a season and a half without without really looking at all convincing at home so finally we're now we've won three three in a row at home I don't even know if we did that under Pulis I know we went I went on a winning run but did we did I don't remember us winning consecutive matches like that at home I don't know we probably had a, a bit, don't know but maybe Alec, Alec guys made a point about it being like the home form being the, the key thing yeah. like t- changing that mentality at home yeah. turning the players into you know making sure the players didn't feel like they were they were playing against two sets of fans essentially mm. yeah Makes all the difference, and well, now said, Palace fans get right behind the team. He said that last night as well about the fans. It's, it's like a virtuous circle. You know, the, the fans start the game more optimistic and positive, mm-hmm. making more noise. The players are, are upbeat and confident, and, and win at home. Yeah, um, seems obvious, but the, yeah, we're a confident. But I think people sort of underestimate the fact that yeah, everyone complained about the Southampton result, but we bounced back from it by beating Arsenal at home three 0 mm. We didn't. It wasn't the start of another slide. The heads didn't drop, mm. and by all accounts, it was dealt with in the dressing room afterwards. It's like, okay, these things happen. Mm-hmm. It's we how just you one react, four on us, but yeah, yeah. Uh, good, cool, okay. Well, uh, that wraps up the podcast for this week. I think everyone's feeling positive, aren't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Good. Just can't say it out loud because then people blame you for when you lose. You can say whatever you want on this podcast, Kevin. We're all friends here. Oh, well, in that case, James Endicott. Uh. <laughs> okay, uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back with you after that Leicester game. Uh, so, yeah, bye. <laughs> <laughs>
Sports Social Podcast Network.